and say, well, where did you come from? I thought you come from Dresden, and that's true. We live in Dresden. We've been there for nearly 20 years. Uh, but I was born, both of us were born in South Africa, raised in South Africa. Um, we've been in a part of a big team in Cornerstone Church, Johannesburg. We planted a church in South Africa, and then through a really incredible series of events, uh, God opened the door for us, and we took over a church in the city of Dresden. And that's nearly, as we said, uh, nearly 20 years ago, coming up for the anniversary at the end of next month. And we've really experienced some wonderful, wonderful things and are so grateful to God for all that he has done with us. I do have a German, I'm of German descent, so I have a, an English name brought up in an English-speaking family, but with a German surname. Uh, but uh, we do all our ministry in German, of course, and have had to learn the language to be able to do that. So this morning, I want to start this message with, uh, by showing you a little video clip, and uh, I think sound guys are ready. Let's um, have a look, there, look at that, and then I'll comment um, as we go along, and trust that God's going to put some things into your hearts this morning. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. This is a video that I, I've watched obviously a number of times, and it's uh, something that I challenge me every time that I see it. And one of the things that I've found out about walking along a tightrope like we've just seen is that the very key part of this whole walk is actually the first part. Because they say that once you're on the rope, you actually cannot return. You can't walk backwards. You can't turn around. Uh, that's even more dangerous than going forward. And so the key thing about this the key moment when I, I imagine your heart beats and your heart races more than at any other moment is when you take the first step. That first step commits you to the point of no return. Then you're on the rope, and then you can only go forward. And it's a great, great illustration for you and for me, because there are many things in our lives where the Lord is really wanting to challenge us to take a first step. And this message this morning is about finding courage for the first step. In fact, there's a, you've got a, I don't know if any of you know, but there's a, a value that you've got on your website. Uh, it's listed on your website, uh, and it's down about the sixth or seventh value, and it says there, courageous faith, courageous faith. And so I want to build into that value this morning, and, and, and I hope that you're going to catch something in your heart that says, hey, I want to be courageous. I want to have a, a courageous faith. See, so, so sometimes in, I think that we as Christians have got to a point where Christianity is for us accepting Jesus into our lives, uh, making a commitment to Him, being part of a church. That's really, really great that these people came in this morning. Wonderful thing that you've joined the church. But do you know that it's, it's actually more than that? It's actually once, he, once, we, once we start off the relationship with him and we understand who Jesus really is, the next step is that we actually start moving forward. He actually is the one who breathes courage and he's the one who breathes faith into our very souls so that we can actually make steps that he's requiring for us. And he was the, the most courageous man that ever lived in my view. God-man. Man that ever lived in my view. And so when we are with him, he's the one that makes us courageous. 
and helps us to actually tackle some of those things that for us, maybe up to that point, are unimportant. Now, I believe that one of the things that God wants to do with you as a church is that for the individuals here, that He wants to breathe some of that courage into you. And I believe that for your future, that He is actually wanting to breathe that courage into the very DNA of who you are. Now, there's different seasons that we have in the life of the church. And I think the last season for this church has been a season of gathering. It's been a season of building. It's been a season of teaching. But I really feel in my heart that one of the things that he's going to do in the next season is that it's going to be a season of courageous, courageous activity. It's going to be a season of being courageous and saying, okay, if Jesus said it and if he really means it, uh, then it's got consequences for you and for me in terms of our own lives and what we are going to do next. And so let me ask you the question. What areas are there in your life where you need to be courageous? Maybe it means for some of you that you, you look at these people this morning and you say, wow, that's courageous. Actually commit to a local body. That's courageous. Um, some of you may be facing a conflict situation in your life. And actually the conflict situation has been, um, has been with you for a long time. And the reason why you haven't dealt with it is because you don't have enough courage to actually take on the situation and get it sorted out. Maybe the Holy Spirit is actually stirring up your heart for a new step. Maybe there's something that He wants you to do that's a new thing, and you need courage for that. Maybe it's, you need courage to face some realities in your life. You know, sometimes it takes a lot of courage to say, okay, um, our marriage is actually not as great as what we think it is. We actually need to face reality and do something about it, and it's going to take some courage. Some of you are in a situation where it's in, you're like in a cul-de-sac situation. You feel like, I, I can't get out of here, but I don't know where to go. I'm like edged in from every side, and it's going to take some courage for you to actually go the next step and actually do something about it. And this morning, this message is about helping you to do that. Now, one of the things that is always linked with courage, is change. I mean, if we never have to change anything, we don't need any courage, right? <laughs> okay? But if we want to change something, then we need courage. And often people say, well, we don't like change. Now, I understand that. I mean, no, everyone likes their, their, their place and their environment to be stable and, uh, and, and consistent, but the thing is that what the, what the Holy Spirit does with us is that He actually helps us to see that our future uh, is actually better than the situation that we're in right now. He paints in our hearts a picture which helps us, which stirs us up and which inspires us, where we say, I actually want that more than the situation that I'm in right now. And that's what gives us that courage to Take on the change because it's necessary. And we might say, well, people don't like change. Well, there are lots of practical things that we actually do change uh, because we see what, what is going to happen in the future. We, we take on our kitchen. We pull out all, the, all, the, all our kitchen cupboards and we uh, change everything and we, we have like two, three weeks of chaos 
Because we say, wow, what comes after that is better than what we have now. I mean, ladies change their hairstyles fairly regularly. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just speaking from personal experience. <laughs> I'm not sure. They, why do they change their hairstyle? Why do they go to the salon and say, uh, maybe you've got a fresh idea for me. Maybe you've got a new color. Uh, maybe you've got a new cut. Uh, because they're actually saying, well, hey, I've got a, a vision. I've got a picture of how I'm going to look. And that's actually, that it inspires me to say, well, I'm prepared to take the risk of the change in the short term. And so that's where we're living. Our desired future needs to become something which is irresistible. Take the first step. Take the first step. That what, that's what this is about. And in the Bible, there are many examples of courage. And of course, if you've been a Christian for a while, you will perhaps immediately think Joshua chapter 1, right? Joshua chapter 1, three times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because he knew, here is Joshua with a massive task. Here is Joshua with a massive challenge. And so he speaks into his heart. He breathes into him like, be strong. Be courageous. You're going to need this. You're going to need this. And I'm not giving you the task and leaving you alone. I'm actually with you. So he speaks into his heart. He says, be strong. Be courageous. And then, of course, we look in our, if we look in our Bibles in the New Testament, we find Acts chapter 4. And here, Peter and John have just done an incredible miracle. A blind man, who's a layman who's been lame for more than 40 years, gets healed. And so there's, there's this uproar in the whole town. And so Peter, Peter and, and, and John, they, they actually come before the Sanhedrin. And they're being questioned. They're being intimidated. And the Bible says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They took note that these ordinary men had been with Jesus. So if this morning, if you need courage in your life, do you know what you do? You get in the presence of Jesus. Okay? And when the presence of Jesus comes in our lives, when the presence of Jesus comes in our congregations, He breathes that courage into us. He is going to give us courageous faith because that's, that's who He is. He actually lived it out Himself. And so we get near to Him, we get close to Him, it rubs off on us as well. And that's, that's encouraging. That's, that's exciting for me. And Paul, um, in prison, Philippians 1.20, he says, I ex eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So he's saying, I, need, I want sufficient courage. And some tasks are bigger than other tasks. Some, some things we have to do in life, they require another level of courage. And so he's saying, I need sufficient courage. Pray for me that, that he gives me sufficient courage for the task. Sufficient courage, whatever it is. And there's always that first step that actually brings about that place of, of no return. Sufficient courage. When I, um, when I think back on my life, uh, perhaps one of the biggest moments for me was leaving my profession and uh, going to full-time ministry. We had spoken about it many times. 
we had prayed about it. Um, but when the moment came and I said, well, now's the day when I'm going to have to, I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to speak to my boss and say, look, I'm, ret- I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to full-time in the ministry. I read my prophecies again, had a, another talk to my wife, um, spoke to my wise counselors. Uh, my heart was beating, right? Because there comes that moment when it's that first step and you know, hey, this is a place of no return. And, we, and, and so then and picking up the phone and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to step off the team. Um, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. It was a massive moment for me. But it was a place, a step that needed to be taken, something that was important for all that came after that. Now, courage is the ability and willingness to risk. I think we do have a definition, I think. Yeah, there we go. Courage is the, is the ability and willingness to risk, which means moving into a situation which is dangerous, uncertain, or intimidating. So when you pick up that phone and make an appointment like that, which I did, it was willingness to risk. It was uncertain. Everything out there was intimidating. It was only the voice of God that was the loudest in my heart because I never wanted to live by faith. Back then, I didn't study for nothing. <laughs> I didn't do it for nothing. Didn't spend all those years working on my career that I now have full-time ministry. Every, every pastor that I knew, I had total admiration for the fact that they lived by faith. And it was like the last thing that I wanted to do, actually. Okay, I had that moment of saying, okay, God, this is actually the moment and I'm going to do this. Situation, uncertain. It was totally intimidating f- for me, but I knew He's going to give me courage for this. Then quote from Winston Churchill. Don't have to explain to you in England who he is. Some other places, yes. Courage is the most important human characteristic, said Winston Churchill, because it is a requirement for everything that comes after that. Just think about it. Courage is really a central thing in our lives. And it's not just for leadership, it is for every single one of us. We need that. So let me, let me pack, unpack this a little bit to help us understand what, what courage really is. See, there are lots of people that have got insight. You know, everybody here sitting in the congregation uh, possibly sees something that you say, okay, well, I could fix that or I could change that, or this church should do this or that. But if I turn around you and say, okay, well, what about doing something about it? Then you'd say, oh, well, maybe not me. Maybe my neighbor. Okay, let him do something about it. So most people in life have got, have got some understanding of like what has to happen. If I were to sit down and you, and I would say, well, what has to happen in your marriage uh, it probably doesn't take more than 10 minutes for both parties to say, this is what needs to change. Okay, so we have got the insight. We know most of the time what needs to happen, but courage means that we actually take the first step. We actually do something about that. Courage, you see, is also uh, something which means we see an opportunity. It's connected with the opportunity where we actually take this step and grab this opportunity. Courage, in fact, also means that, well, it, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that in our lives, in our hearts, we've got no fear whatsoever when we make that decision. See, some of us think that, 
you know, I can't do anything, I can't do anything about the situation because, because I've got some fear in my heart. Well, let me tell you that I don't think there's a courageous decision that I've ever made where I would say that the fear level was at zero. Otherwise, what's, what, why did I need courage? Okay, we only need courage because we've got fear, right? And the thing about it is that it, it just simply means that we start off here and we know what needs to happen and our fear level is up here and our courage level is down here. And as we, as we get the conviction of the Holy Spirit and as we know Jesus more and we know what He wants, actually we start to get the fear level down and we start to get the courage level up to the point where our courage gets our fear under control and then we make the decision. So seven years ago, uh, in our church, our church leadership, church elders, we really, really felt that we should uh, purchase a property. And uh, it was one of, those, one of those big decisions that, that comes across. I mean, we had done it in South Africa with the church that we, that we had started there. And so in my heart, I was saying, well, Lord, I actually, I actually don't ever want to buy another building. Okay, because it would cost me so much in my own life. It cost me. It was stressful. It was everything else. And so when we got to Dresden, we were hiring a school hall. We said, "Okay, this is like, this is perfect." And God, if it carries on like that, that's also okay. Yeah. But anyway, we came to this point where we knew hey, God is speaking to us and saying it's time for us to buy the building. And we had looked and we'd come upon across the right property and everything. This goes back to 2011, and uh, and so. We got to the point of actually, uh, we did a deal with the owner of that property in Dresden, and uh, we had, uh, had a big discussion about it. We had saved up um, about a third of the purchase price in the church up to that point, and we had a big discussion in our team, and uh, had decided that we should um, try and pay for the property with a couple of installments. So in other words, don't take any financing. And the owner was agreeable that we could pay him in, in three installments. And so what we did is that we, we actually said, okay, God, um, we think this is you. Uh, and so we had a contract, one big payment, and two or three smaller ones after that over the period of a year. But we're talking about a couple of hundred thousand euros that we needed. And so what we did is we had the contract, and I went off to the attorney and um, a German attorney, and I'm sitting, and he gives me the pen and says, before he, before he lets me sign the contract, he says to me, I just want to say something. He said, I want to remind you that in Germany, it's a legal offense to buy a property without having the money. You do have the money for this, don't you? <laughs> so in that moment, in that moment, uh, I'm thinking, I think, well, my father's got the money. <laughs> <laughs> my father's got the money. And uh, there's two things about it. Well, first thing is my heart is beating uh, at max, all right? So it wasn't like I had no fear in my heart when I signed the contract. But the courage was more because I knew he'd spoken to me. So I took the pen and I signed the contract. And let me tell you that it released the whole process, released some faith in our congregation for all of us, uh, that was really amazing. We had the most amazing year in the life of our church. There have been many amazing years. That was really an incredible year. And the people 
it's a long story which I haven't got time for this morning, but we had prepared it very well and the people got on board with it. And do you know that four days before the final installment, we had all the money on our bank account, one year. It was the most phenomenal experience. And God did it. God did it. And you know what? If God could do it once, He can do it again. And if He can, did it for us, He can also do it for you. Now, one of the, you know, one of the, the really things that, I, things that I'm amazed and I always appreciate with Anton Helen is the fact that they had the, the foresight for this property. And uh, we probably know them. There are probably very few of you that knew them back then when actually they bought this property. We knew them. Uh, we were in Dresden, and they were here, and through our South African friendship, friendship from South Africa, we knew what they were busy with. And I know that they sweated a lot before, before they bought this. But every one of you this morning would sit here and say, well, what a good idea, wouldn't you? That was a great idea back then. We've all profited from that. You see, it needs a little bit of generational thinking. We have to think generationally when we do these things, because probably a lot of people who gave back then are no longer sitting here. But there's a whole lot of new people sitting out saying, well, thank you for that generation that actually did something so that we all profit from that today. So you're going to come up. I heard that you're going to be doing some revamp of some things around the building here, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And I'm, I'm saying to you, hey, get on board with that. It's about the next generation. It might, you might say, okay, well, this is, I'm in, I might only be here for two or three years. Well, why don't you invest something? It will never be lost. The heavenly value will never be lost. Uh, you've, you, you're storing up your treasures in heaven, even if you're not here in two or three years' time. But you'll put something in here for this next generation, and that's what it's about. And let me tell you, if you put your faith out for that, he's going to help you, and he's going to bless you in that. Our testimony is it's released faith. Now, we're not at the end of the project. We're right in the middle of it. We've got another huge year coming up. And so it's like God's keeping me, keeping me in the place of courage. Okay, my heart's, my heart's on max most of the time at the moment. Okay, it's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough. Uh, but you know what? I can see our future is better than what it is right now, than what we're in a situation right now. I can see that's better than this. Therefore, next step, step forward, next step. We're on the way. So very quickly... At the end of the message this morning, I want to just have a, have a brief look at the life of David and pick out a couple of things, probably practical things for you that you can take with you. Now, I'm not going to read all the scriptures because uh, I think most of us do know the story of David and Goliath. Uh, if you've been a Christian for, for a number of years, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. If you went to Sunday school, you came back from Sunday school with swords in your hands and cut people's heads off and things like that. Okay, that was Sunday school. We all know David and Goliath. Now, let me tell you about David. David's in a, David gets involved um, in a battle with Goliath. Now, Goliath is, this is a situation It's about 15 miles west of Jerusalem. Um, there's a big battle going on. They're battling the Philistines. And so every day there's this giant, Goliath, and he's standing up and he's, and he's uh, challenging the people. And he's saying, uh, why did you send out someone to come and fight me? And uh, he's, he's not just any kind of a man. He's actually a three-meter tall man. He's got armor on, 60 kgs of armor. He is massive. And so he stands up and he's like, def- and he's like challenging him, saying, where are you, little weaklings? Why doesn't someone come at you and 
show his, his honor. And so every time he does that, the Israelites are fearful and they're scared to their very, they're scared to their very wits and they're, they're shaking. And David hears about it and he, when he gets to the battlefield and then he has a meeting with Saul. And he comes together in the meeting with Saul, and so there's a couple of things that I want to pick out. You can read it for yourself. Everything's out of 1 Samuel 17 and 1 Samuel 18. And this is what happens. In the first conversation with, with Saul, David says to Saul, King Saul, he says to him, you know what? Uh, I've, I've killed the lion, and uh, I've killed the bear, and therefore this, this giant will be just like one of them, just the same. And the, the, the story for us, and this is the first little practical point you can take with you, is that courage is something which begins in your private life. It doesn't begin in your public life. Can I ask you the question, where did David kill the bear? And who was watching when he killed the lion? No one, Right? No one. But he killed the lion and he killed the bear in his private life. And now he's standing before Saul and, and the next step is coming for him. And so the things that he's already experienced help him to say, I've killed those two. Therefore, this man, this giant is just going to be like one of them. So in the small things, that's why the Bible is so amazing. It says, in, be faithful in the small things. Take on the small things, and then God will entrust you with bigger things. So you take on the little things in your life, get courage in those things, and He'll bless you, and He will help you in the bigger. First step. Second little thing is that courage releases potential. Courage releases your potential. See, David, David was anointed. He was anointed. He, Samuel had already poured oil over him. He knew he was anointed. He knew there was a task for him to do. But if he had never said yes to the giant, maybe he would to this day just be an undiscovered person. You see, his, his courage released his potential. And so, so we've got to, it, it's, so, it's so sad when we've got situations in our lives that need to be dealt with with courage, and they're, they're actually laming us. They're paralyzing us. There's conflict situations or there's family or there's children or whatever it is. And it actually just brings us into a place of, hey, we can't do anything. We've got no credibility. Or we need to deal with this financial issue and we're not getting it sorted out. We need to deal with that. And as we, as we take on that, the giants in our own lives, the potential that God's placed within us has an opportunity to be released. See, and... and if I had, if, if just practically with all the pressure on my life of leading our church and of, of being involved in leading things in our network and so on, if I had continual stress with my wife in, my, in our relationship, there would be no way that the potential that's in my life could actually be released. Because we've got peace in our relationship and so I've got my head free to do those things. See, those things need to be there so that the potential is released. So there's maybe something in your life that needs to be taken on. Take it on. First step today. What about it? Have the courage to actually take it and win in the situation. Third little practical thing is this. Courage does not exclude caution. It doesn't exclude caution. You see, what I'm not saying is 
throw away your common sense, okay, and just be crazy. What I am saying is, think it through. When I signed the contract for the property, my heart was beating, but I wasn't stupid. We had already checked out with the church council that uh, they would give us an approval for that building. We had a pre-approval that we could use the property um, for church building and so on. I didn't say, well, God said, and so therefore close your eyes and sign whatever comes, all right, and hope for the best. Like just blind faith, nothing else. See, we are allowed to use our common sense to actually help us because common sense normally shows that we are allowed to consult with our wise counselors, but then there comes a moment when we have to take the step. That's what I'm talking about. So let's take David. Now tell me, why did David pick up five stones? Didn't, don't you think one would be enough? I mean, God's God, isn't he? So why not just take one stone? Put one stone and... And God's going to hit him with one stone. And what I love about David is that he, wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't say goodbye to his common sense. He said, look, I trust God. God's able to do this. But maybe he'll do it with one stone. And maybe he'll do it with two stones. And maybe I'll even miss and then he'll have to make up for me. And maybe we need five stones. Okay. Some common sense before we make the decision. And sometimes I think we as Christians could do with a good dollop of common sense. <laughs> okay. okay, but see, get the direction and then say, okay, now's the moment, faith for that first step. You can be courageous, you can be confident, but you can also be cautious and you can be all of those things at the same time. But then it does come a moment where now's the moment and you can't miss that moment. Don't say, I'm careful, when actually you're just simply fearful. Because yeah, you can use that as an excuse as well. I'm, well, I'm careful. Well, if you never make any decisions, if you're never courageous in anything in your life, I'd say, you're just fearful. You're not, you're not careful. You're fearful. You need to get over it. Okay, and if you're a Christian, you can get over it. That's why he's called us into the kingdom so that we, so to, to, to actually increase that. I love the word courageous faith. He's called us in the kingdom to put that faith in our hearts. Two or three little things and we're done. The courage of one person changes the atmosphere for everyone else. You know, what, you see, what, what happened is that, is that here we've got David, and he takes on the giant, and the giant is killed. David takes his sword, cuts off his head, right? Cuts his head off, and he is dead. Now, at that point, where were all the other Israelites that were part of the army? Where were they? And the Bible says they were sitting in some caves around the valley, okay? Way away from the battlefield with their binoculars, okay? <laughs> Checking out what's going on. We don't want any part of that. Hopefully, someone's going to take on this giant, okay? Checking out the battle, what happens? David knocks this giant down, and then the very next verse says, they, they came out the caves, and they came out with a battle cry. 
we're going to hit this army. If David can, we can, can, can kill the Goliath, then what does it mean for the rest of us? It means hey, God is for us. We can win this as well. And so they also start killing Philistines. Whereas before, faith was up here. Now suddenly, faith is down here, and their courage is up here because of one man. Now you can say, okay, well, that's a leader, that's an army. And so on. let me say to you that this also is for you in your own family. Do you know that fathers can change atmospheres in a family, right? You rise up as a dad, and you start forgiving. You rise up and you start speaking encouragement into the life of your wife and your children. You rise up and say, okay, we're going to believe God with our finances. You rise up and you take, and you take the first step and see what that does to your family. You will change the atmosphere for your family. If you're an employee this morning, you can change the atmosphere for some of the people that you work with. And I believe this is not just for Christians. If you've if you got influence in the place where you work and you come with this attitude, you'll change the atmosphere for your whole office. Say, so, wow, hey, where did you come from? Hey, what a blessing. Where you've got influence, you can change the atmosphere. And I'm saying, why don't you do it? David changed the atmosphere for everyone else. In nations, you as a church can change the atmosphere for other churches in this, in this region. You've got a building. We've got a, we got a, a church in Germany that, that has a, a building in Stuttgart, leading church, biggest church in Germany, and they've got an incredible building. Let me tell you, I look at that and I say, that, the fact that they got that right change the atmosphere for me, for our leadership team. We look at that. Whenever we go there for a conference, we say, hey, this is where we headed. This helps us. This changes the atmosphere for us. Number five, courage causes public recognition of leadership. And this is a point just for leaders. See, what happens is that um, Saul gets very angry because he comes back from the battle and uh, and he sees and he hears um, people saying, well, you know, Saul's killed his thousands and David's killed his tens of thousands. Okay? He's killed his thousands. He's killed his tens of thousands. What a difference. Okay? But what happened? There was a public recognition that happened. David came from nothing to something. He wins the battle and now he's publicly recognized. And so we as, we as leaders, we as people, we as part of, part of our churches, as we rise up and as we rise up in what God has called us to do, God gives us success. There's a public recognition of that as, as we take that first step. I would say every single elder who's part of my team has gone through a process of actually having to put his faith out, take a first step, and the people in our church know that and say, man, this is a leadership team that's full of faith. The last thing this morning. Last thing this morning, and that, is, and that is this. Courage courage becomes a value for those in your circle of influence. Now, David, David killed the giant. Goliath. Do you know that in the scriptures, there are four other illustrations, not illustrations, four other recorded killing, giant killings. All right? Who do you think Killed the other giants. Anyone know? Who killed giants in the scriptures? Every single one of 
the recorded incidents of giant killings in the scriptures were carried out by David's men. There are four of them, and everyone was a was a David a David follower, a David leader who actually achieved that. Two Samuel twenty one. You can read it. So, what does that mean for you and me? When we have courage, and we got people, if we we're filled with 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 courage and courageous faith for that first step, we're going to influence those people around us. The bottom line was, killing giants became a normal thing for David's men. Think about it. So it's totally normal. Now, that's our daily business. We kill giants. What do you do? <laughs> okay. It's interesting. I just thought about it the last, last little while that we took over a church when we moved from South Africa to Dresden. We took over a church. And since, we've, ta- we, since we've, we've done that, we've built a team around us. We have a large team of elders. And uh, we are just about to send our fourth couple from our team. And you know what they're going to do? They're taking over the leadership of a church in Norway. First international transfer. But before that, three other couples in our team have, we have trained them up and released them to take over the leadership of other churches in Germany. And the fourth couple now doing international transfer. Do you know what that, I just thought about the other day. You know what? They have, they've taken on, they've heard again and again about the, our lives. They've heard again and again about what it means to take over a church. They've lived with us. They've breathed it in. And so for them, it's, hey, we can do this. When Renee can do this, we can also do this. Now the fourth couple that's going. Okay, that's how God does that. And so here in the life of the church, you rise up with courageous faith. You as a leadership team rise up with courageous faith. It's going to become something which is in part of your values. It's going to be something that's driven into who you are as a people. And everyone who comes in here is going to imbibe the same thing. God's got a, God, God's got a great thing for you. God got more. It's been a gathering phase, and now it's going to be a phase where courage is needed for your going forward. So why don't you stand? Let me pray. To, let's pray together. And I want to ask you this morning to bring before Him, bring before God that one thing, or those two things that would make the most difference in your life right now. What are those things that would change your life? If you could take them on and if you had enough courage to change them, what would those things be? And I want you to, in this moment, just before I pray, just say, God, help me with. God, help me with. God, help me to take the first step to dealing with. God, help me to rise up in situation X. And if you're not a believer this morning, why don't you say, God, help me. Come into my life. I want to take a first step with you. That's also a courageous moment. Ask him. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to turn around. I want to change the direction of my life. I want to follow you and your principles. Come into my life. So, Father, we stand before you this morning. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you, Father, for the things that you have got planned for this church. 
And Lord, I ask you this morning that you'd fill each heart with courage. Central to all things that we do, we ask you for courage. I pray for courage in relationships. I pray for courage for all these, these things, these, all these varieties of things that have just been mentioned in your presence. We ask you, Lord, for a fresh anointing. Jesus, we ask you that we'd be in your presence and that you'd give us all that we need to go that first, that first step, to actually put that situation in order. We want to be in your presence. We thank you for who you are. Jesus, come and breathe your life, your power, and your boldness into our hearts this morning. Amen.